Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. And welcome aboard the Viking ship for the last time in 2018. This is the official Canberra Raiders podcast. I'm Raider Nick and a few changes to the starting lineup. But Ben Pollock, he's out with the flu coming in to start the team today. He's Tommy Logan and fresh off the 18th man bench, John Kreuter, the CRL coordinator. We'll have him on a little later to talk about everything about this week's Canberra Raiders Cup Grand Final. But first of all, Tommy, g'day mate. Mate, great to be here. <laughs> Mate, uh, we'll touch on that massive win against the South Sydney Bunnies last week. We'll touch on, we'll preview this week's last and final game against the Warriors as the boys are about to leave for New Zealand. We'll have uh, Michael Oldfield. Something tells me, mate, your favourite player? Oh, he's you up love him, there. don't he, you? He's up there. I've got to say, I, I don't want to play favourites, but Oldie's definitely up there. You know, he's, a, he's just a class player on and off the field and just a great person to have at the club. He's fresh off a couple of tries uh, against the South Sydney Bunnies uh, and our very last Forever Green, a very special one. Can you guess who it is? Mate, I've got no idea, so surprise me. Hip far away. Dave Ferner. Quality. Clive Churchill medalist from 1994. Stay tuned, because come join us for the last time in 2018 as we go Behind the Limelight. And before we uh, touch on that massive win against the, uh, the Bunnies last week, Benny Pollock is actually not away with the flu. It's a bit of a G up there. He's actually away with our captain, Toots Croker, Jared Croker, and, of course, the CEO, Johnny Ferner. They're in Wagga. Why are they in Wagga, Tommy Logan? Well, great news for the club and the Riverina region. Uh, we've agreed a deal with the Wagga Wagga City Council, which will see the Raiders... Um, partner to bring NRL to Wagga in 2019 and 2020. So what that means is there will be one home game from each of those years, which we will take out to the to the city of Wagga, and it's going to be a great reward for obviously people in the country that obviously might not be able to, I guess, get out to Canberra all the time. It's obviously quite a quite a big trouble going out there, and we've noticed that we actually are quite well represented in the Riverina region with a lot of our fans and supporters. So this is a reward for them and to say thank you. Excellent. That'll be fantastic. So um, having said that as well, it's probably likely to be against maybe, say, the Titans or maybe the Warriors or something of that description, of those descriptions? Well, everything is pure speculation. Uh, obviously... We're not speculating, are we? No, well, there's <laughs> definitely a lot of speculation, but I dare say, obviously, the team... And the round that we will obviously play out there is yet to be confirmed, but um, we'll wait and see when the NRL draw gets so, announced. So basically, this is this is basically coming on the back end of the city versus country not being played this season, being ceased last year, and now the NRL are trying to encourage clubs to take a game out to the bush. This is our part of... I mean, there was talks about this at the start of last year. We didn't get to do it this year, but the fact that we're going a, a double a double banger, 2019 and 2020 of Rugby League in Wagga, that'll be great. Also great for, for us Canberrans to get away and, and experience some of their country life. I know that they are, our call team there at the radio are already talking about a, a trip up there as well for next season, so exciting times. Mate, definitely exciting. I think it's great for the club um, to get the opportunity to extend and grow our brand in quite a traditional large... Um, rural uh, market, I guess, such as Wagga. Um, and it, obviously, I think it might even have some great effects on recruitment. Obviously, you know, we'll be looking at sort of touch, tapping into some of the talent out there. Yeah. Uh, Wagga's produced quite a lot of great athletes over the years, not just in rugby league, but in other sports as well. 
uh, yeah, exciting times ahead. And myself, I know I'm Wagaborn, so oh, wow. can't wait to return out. So you're doing cartwheels, mate, in your head. <laughs> That's it. The fact that we don't really get that free-to-wear television, but not featuring in, in the country lounge rooms so much so, this is huge, getting a full-blood NRL fixture out there hypothetically under the lights of the NRL great initiative from the club yeah it's obviously this is something that you know you really want to see clubs doing a lot more of and I think it's great speaking personally as a a kid who grew up in the country if I woke up uh, and opened the paper the next day and saw that the Raiders were coming out to my hometown to play I'd be doing cartwheels and probably not you know, stop talking about it for a whole week. So if you're planning to get to that game uh, once it is announced, just talk to Tommy Logan. He'll tell you where to go at the restaurants. He'll talk to you about uh, where to go afterwards for a drink. Here's your man. Here's your tour guide, Tommy Logan, the former Wagga boy, ready to rock and roll in the NRL next year. Full-time in round 24 of the NRL, the mighty Canberra Raiders, 24. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, 12. Wow, 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 what a performance that was. And also backing up after knocking off the bunnies, that was as big as an effort in 2016, Tommy Logan, when we beat the Sharks and the Storm a week later, one and two in a fortnight. Not many people can do that. No, not at all. Uh, Obviously, the last couple of weeks have been unbelievable. Uh, I know the, the atmosphere and the mood around the place, the players, the club, the supporters, members, everyone. It's just completely turned quite for the positive. Um, great result against a team who I think will probably be in the grand final in South Sydney. Um, we were just simply, we wanted it more than them on the day and it was it was a great statement for us to leave our members with, especially on the last home game of the year heading into 2019. Well, like you mentioned, men it was Members Appreciation Day, and what a way to give your members a a final last hurrah with a performance against that against the Bunnies with team, with a team full of the Burgess boys. Greg Inglis, he was really starting to grow some legs and really find some form because he knows finals footies around the corner. The whole team knew, of course, for the radio I spoke to their coach, the former Canberra Raiders uh, front rower Anthony Seabold, and he was very focused, knowing that we're gonna we need to play well today, but we want to play well because we need to find momentum because they were coming off two losses on the trot, so they were. Really Really, they need they needed that win, and the fact that they couldn't get past us. Uh, it's so pleasing to know, and so pleasing to end the season like that. And it, they just showed so much character. We threw a lot at them. We had a lot of possession in that first half and threw plenty at the South Sydney Bunnies. They defended everything. They, we had a multiple, multiple repeat sets. Couldn't find the line on the back of that, you know, that South Sydney strong performance. And usually you can find a bit of a lull and lose a bit of confidence in your attack. But we just come out in the second half. We mowed down that ten point deficit and then got our tails in front. Once we got in front, wow, didn't it didn't turn around and the crowd got involved. It was a great Saturday afternoon. Yeah, obviously the players talk about playing for themselves, uh, or for what, not themselves, they talk about playing for each other quite a lot. I think that definitely showed on the weekend. Obviously we have Shannon Boyd, Junior Paulo and Blake Austin leaving the club at the end of the year. There was a lot of emotion within the playing group about sending those guys out uh, on their last game at GIO Stadium. They definitely lifted for them and I think that's been sort of a a trend from the past couple of home games. And also, it was great to see just under 16,000 members and fans out there. Great showing from the Canberra, Canberra faithful once again. 
Which just shows the transparency of the Raiders fans, the diehard Raiders fans. There's no chocolates to play for us in the two points. Uh, our season's gone in regards to making the top eight. But still plenty to play for. Still to come out and support, and they did that. They showed up in droves. There was a great buzz around there on Saturday afternoon. Of course, we had three grades there playing. That was a feast of football there at GI Stadium. And for just, just for the gods to shine on us that way, but also for them to put in the, the performance that they did. And there were some times where there were some errors. Let's, just, let's be honest, there were some errors. But the great thing about it is they defended those errors, that they kept their line, they kept their attitude and just showed so much character. And they're probably one of the biggest packs in the competition. Look, those three Burgess boys are in there. You know, they've got Crichton, who's a New South Wales origin player. You know, Cook, who's probably the daily player of the year, let's just say. And we outmuscled them. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I remember when I was watching from the sidelines on the warm-up, I just couldn't believe the size of the Burgess brothers. You could dead set screen oh. film off those Burgess boys' legs, I'll tell you that much. Oh, mate, unbelievable. Unbelievable players, but um, obviously we just really took it to them. Uh, there was a few times when I thought, you know, Cook was going to probably Do just, cooking. Yeah, just find that gap and... Cook's a very elusive player. Yeah, he, he just knows so speed. So electric from dummy half, and it, it's very frightening as a as an opposition. Yeah, looking from the opposition, and I'll tell you what, uh, I think it was just a great team performance. Well, I love the battle with BJ and GI, and I tell you what, uh, that was a great battle, and I think it was close to fifty fifty there. I think no one had the edge on each other. They both got a, a few things against them, but there was an early missed tackle from BJ. But some of his runs, and he ran past GI. GI a few times as well. He was always meeting him in defence. He was chewing him up. And, uh, of course, Ricky would have put out a little message for him before the game and a bit of a task and an assignment. And I don't think he would have failed his coach with that performance. No, definitely not. Uh, Joey's been very good, I've noticed, over the, especially for the majority of the season. I think he's been really quite strong for us in the centres. Uh, obviously, G.I. You know, got himself a meat pie in the game over the weekend. But, you know, Joey can take away a lot from that game he really took it to GI and it's definitely another thing to sort of build on ahead of the 2019 season for him personally the other centre three quarter of course uh, Michael Oldfield who was just about to join us on the podcast a little later I thought he had a great game scored a couple of tries geez he can find the drive a couple of greatly good plays in defence as well to bring his confidence back up after being away for being out for a few weeks but I think just all our backs played so well and of course Austin that double pump to put Sierra away for the for the match winner and then of course Nicky that wonderful effort there out of dummy half to, to get through a few would-be tacklers and to find the stripe to, to put us clear. I think it was all a great rounded performance from 1-17. to 17. I thought Emre came on and did some great things, but Shannon Boyd, he ran like he was possessed. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of guys uh, out there wearing the green jumper that just had that possessed look about them. They, they just looked ahead. They would have seen the Burgess brothers, their size, and just would not have blinked. They just would have got on with the job they, and they did it and passed with flying colours and I've got to say I don't think there's anyone in the team that you could really say put a foot wrong throughout the afternoon it's a great thing and one mention to Brad Abbey he's definitely a fullback he's a footballer the way he can come in and chime in 
and it takes a lot to, to leave your fullback position there because it's a, it's a it's a bit of a game of chess there. You're counting numbers. You're going to be a high talker. But then to find when you can chime in at the right time and act as that extra ball player and chime in the back line and create an extra man that he does so well, quite naturally, I tell you what, Ricky is going to have uh, a pretty good headache over Christmas because he's got some depth. You know, with the likes of Oldie, the likes of Brad Abbey in that football team is going to have some good headaches and some things to think about for, for 2019. Yeah, I've got to say there's obviously been a few unfortunate injuries and suspensions um, that have happened to us in the outside backs department but we've been really quite lucky this year uh, to have such a a range of talented and obviously um, versatile group of outside backs that can just come in and slot in into various positions. Oldie and Brad Abbey are the perfect examples of those and yeah Rick's got a bit of a selection problem ahead of him next year which is a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have, but uh, what a win, of course. We spoke about on this podcast how beautiful it is this time of year. Hasn't been the warmest spring, pre-spring, but it's been pretty... The sun's been out, and it's just a good vibe in the air that we're about to change a new season in regards to a weather season, but the footy has been great. It hasn't disappointed. We've had two in a row uh, wins against the Roosters in South Sydney, and it's just a great feeling uh, going into the summer break, knowing that we are, we're good enough and we've got plenty to work on but we're definitely going to be there when it comes to uh, performances next year. Yeah, big promising signs for the 2019 season. Uh, there's definitely a lot to look forward to, and don't forget we've got two outstanding quality recruits coming over from England in John Bateman and Ryan Sutton, so there's plenty to look out for next season. Round 25, we're down the ditch. We go to New Zealand uh, for the last match. For our season, anyway, we play the uh, New Zealand Warriors in a big game there. Twilight match there on Friday Night Football. It'll be great for our fans. It'll be great for the supporters. It'll be great for the members. It'll be great for everybody if we can finish the season three from three against three teams playing in the finals this year, Tommy. Yeah, 100%. And let's not take anything away here. Obviously, the team are going to be going over there completely focused on the game. You know, we've got a we've got a job to do. It's going to be tough. Uh, the Warriors are actually playing for quite a lot. I think they're playing for a home semi, and it's also Simon Mannering's 300th NRL game. So there'll be a lot of feeling over there in New Zealand, but the team, we will have a lot of feeling as well, I think, personally. Obviously, we will be looking to send out Blake Austin, Junior Polo, and Shannon Boyd out uh, as winners in their final game in green. Absolutely, as you mentioned there, of course there's a log jam from 5 to 8 are all locked on 30 points, so everyone's playing for that home final, you need to get one, uh, you get one if you come 5th or 6th so uh, the Warriors will be definitely uh, keen to get that, they jagged a good win against the Panthers last week, which has given them plenty of confidence, plenty to play for for the home side, but for the away side, us mighty green machine, plenty to play for us, I think we've found a way to win now winning becomes a habit, that old cliche and they'll be coming with plenty of confidence. They've been up for two weeks, plenty of emotion. But, you know, it's just one of those things where it's the road to home. You can see the end. You can see the finish line. They love going away. They do the ping pong. They really do the away football program the best, I reckon, in the NRL. And they seem, Tommy, just to bring that out on the field as well. Yeah, definitely. I've obviously been away with them a couple of times and you definitely notice the camaraderie between the squad. Um, I think the team will be going over there, I guess, with no fear, no pressure, and I think that could really end up being quite a problem for the Warriors. Obviously, they'll be under a lot of pressure to perform for not only their fans and the fact that they're playing for that home semi, but also Simon on his 300th. 
Uh, I just get the feeling that this game could end up being very open, very high scoring. Um, obviously, we know we can pile on the points, and so can so can they. Uh, David Fusitua, I think, has scored over 20 tries for them over the weekend. Might have to do a check on that one, but I'm 99% sure that is the case. A um, couple of really great individual battles loom. Obviously, uh, Hodgson and Isaac Luke, obviously the two hookers that will probably go head-to-head again in the test. And great for uh, Sammy as well to go up against uh, young Sean Johnston as well, to, to, you know, to measure himself against that quality of football. But like you said, these two teams have been really renowned for really having that kind of really big, busty kind of performance there. You know, played in that middle third and, and you know, plenty of points in their back lines as well. BJ up against uh, Solomon Akata. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that'll be a great matchup. Of course, him fresh coming off that big matchup against GI. And, of course, the wingers, Cottridge and, of course, Finley Countryman there in Rapana. He'll uh, be feeling very happy and comfortable being at home soil. Obviously, there'll be a few of the boys over there with uh, some family, no doubt, coming towards the game. Uh, I've got the feeling uh, Raps will probably have a bit of a, a show, I believe. I reckon he'll have a point to prove, obviously, and he'll be wanting to sort of get back into that New Zealand side. Obviously, he was pretty unlucky to miss out through injury. I think when it was uh, they played over in Denver for the yeah, test against England. The he'll be there again. He'll yeah. be the first picked. Yeah. One of the first picked. Yeah. Are you yeah. going up for the team? To New Zealand? Yeah. No, no, no. I've got a job to do here, so I'll, I'll st- stay true to my work and get all the stuff sorted over here and cheer the boys on from the from a tel- television somewhere in beautiful Canberra. So no more ping-pong scars to, to go into the Christmas break with? No, definitely not. <laughs> Michael Oldfield, try-scoring machine. You are bagged a couple of meat pies against South last week. You scored a hat-trick against the Cowboys. Mate, geez, you can find the line. Ah, uh, mate, just anyone in that position, I reckon, would uh, find that line. It's just uh, some beautiful work from inside. Very humble man, very humble man, mate. What's it like? Uh, of course, you've been there in the centres. Uh, you're a wing, personally, mate. What would you rather be, a winger or a centre three quarter? Um, I don't know. Over the years, I've, I've sort of um, changed my my view on it. Um, uh, normally, I would say wing. Um, I find it's just it's, it's an easier role and something I'm very comfortable with. Um, and um, I enjoy being out wide and obviously getting a chance to score some tries, but. Um, I, like the weekend was awesome to play in the centres, a um, bit more responsibility, um, and I'm liking that new role. You know, I've played a lot of it in uh, reserve grade, but I've just always come into first grade teams where you know you've had your your centres always a solidified spot. So um, yeah, look anywhere, obviously in between those two, um, I like being here. Yeah. So the workload obviously in the centres defensively, you're just pretty much on the whole time, and a lot of opposition's shapes are all based in that centre kind of edge area, so you're always going to be on. But having said that, this modern age, the winger position, you're always going to be on. You know, you've got to sneak back for those kicks. The twenty, the forty twenty rule has brought back so much responsibility for the wingers, and to find the line in that Superman style now, uh, using you know pretty much no room, that's mm. a big effort. Yeah, definitely. The um, the winger role's taken a, a very, very big leap, um, especially with all those tackle five kicks, attack, defence. Um, but yeah, I think the defensive role for a centre is um, it's a, it's a big role and um, it's something that I've enjoyed being a part of. With the winger, oh, the, the modern day winger, how much attention do they get from the coaching staff? Couple of couple of strife from um, especially your middles. You know, they claim they do all the tackling, which is that's true. You know, but um, you know if they were skinny and fast, I'm sure they'd be on the wing. So you know, it's one thing to say that, but um, you know, this this modern day game. Um, 
yeah, wingers play a big role, especially getting out of yardage. Um, some of those big boys are still getting back. Obviously, they're doing a lot of defensive work. It's us, you know, the back three, they've got to get us out. So, um, you know, some teams, you know, they really rely on it. You know, you look at Roosters, um, one of our biggest things was controlling their back three, and we did that, and that showed in their attacking sets. You know, they couldn't really get in their half. Um, so you Blake Ferguson's, you two posts. So, uh, it just shows that, you know, the winger wing role is taking a big leap. Um, you know, we've got one of the best wingers in our team, Nicky Kotrick, so... You can see how influential he is in our team. So, Well, Oldie, since we last had you here on the podcast, you've signed a two-year contract extension with the Green Machine. I've noticed that uh, you've become quite a bit of a, a fan favourite on the club's social media channels. Obviously, the fans have very much warmed to you. How, how's, how have you been enjoying it uh, here in Canberra, I guess, over the past few months since we last spoke to you? Yeah, look, obviously I re-signed because I love it here. Um, you know, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here for another two years, and um, yeah, I guess I just it's a uh, it's weird. Like a like I've said before, I'm a Sydney boy, you know, but um, I have found a home here. Um, I do enjoy it. It's a it's weird. It's got like a sort of a very community sort of vibe, even though it's a city. Uh, you know, people are always looking out for you and you know wanting to do good by you and help you out. Um, I find in Sydney it's a bit different. Everyone sort of just worries about their own backyard. So. Um, it's cool here, you know, I love it. The boys are really close here and just love the people around the club. Awesome. And obviously you're a proud Sydney boy, obviously. Uh, do you get much of a chance to sort of go back up and visit family? Are the club very sort of relaxing and allowing you to obviously spend some quality time with family away from footy? Yeah, definitely. Um, any games in Sydney um, with the uh, first grade schedule, we've always got that day off after a game. So... The club's always very lenient in letting us stay back and visit our family and then get back to training, make sure we're back for that first session. Um, the good thing about playing New South Wales Cup, you know, obviously everyone's striving to be in first grade, but good thing about playing Cup, you get to spend almost half your week in Sydney. Um, once, you're, once you've done what you need to do here in Canberra, you can go back and play for them and spend a lot of time with your family. So, yeah, I do get, I get, I do get a lot of time there in Sydney. Um, it's been a while since I've been back right now but um, look it's our off-season's around the corner so I'll get plenty of time with home Have you had much fa- have you had many family members come down and visit you and uh, hit up a, a few games Not, not enough if you're listening um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a big friendly reminder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're waiting for next year I don't know <laughs> No no they're always supporting you know they don't have to be there physically you know I know they're always supporting whether they're watching or you know calling and winning yeah This week obviously you come up against the Warriors in New Zealand where you'll most likely be lining up against the likes of Solomon Ikata and David Fusitua. Um, what's, I guess, how would you feel about possibly lining up with them later on, maybe at the end of the year in the Tongan national team? What would that mean for you personally? Tommy's done his research. <laughs> yeah, Tommy's on the... Uh, to just, that's I'll, a loaded question. I've got to be honest here. I've jumped on the Tonga bandwagon. And I, I, love, I love the team. Great to watch and great for the game. Oh, look, um, I've played with them two boys since 16, so um, that'd be awesome, man. It's easily the best um, experience I've had in footy and um, that camp, you know, hands down, easily the best football camp I've done, you know. And, um, no, nah, it'd just be pretty, yeah, uh, it'd be awesome. Those camps, a lot of the players reckon that it's really hard to to focus after those camps because the, their heads are still there because you have just so much fun. What's it like going back into a, you know, back into club land after you've just come away from such a great camp and a camp full of brotherhood? Yeah, look, it's... Um, 
obviously everyone talks about how good those camps are and whatnot, but you know some boys would take out it. You know they might not be playing that good in club footy and whatnot, and if they you know have a good performance and get back to their I, don't know, I guess your roots, you know what I mean. You you find that sort of drive again. That you might take that into your the rest of your season. You know, in club footy, um, you know a lot of boys take a lot of confidence out of those games and. Um, yeah, I guess it's just one of those things, yeah. Ollie, I wanted to ask you before we moved on to the talking about the Tonga situation about knowing a lot of people that have, whether they're footy players or just people moving to Canberra for work, that middle part of the year, that June, July, when it starts to get really, really, really cold and people start to get clicky, you start to get cabin fever. What's it like for a, a non-Canberran coming in in that cold, that cold, harsh period of Canberra? Because a lot of people get homesick then and tend to... Uh, Start questioning the meaning of life. <laughs> How's it been for yourself for the experience? And what have you noticed around you as well? Um, no, honestly, it hasn't been that bad. Hey, like I can't recall any sessions this year where we've really struggled to come out the building. You know what I mean? Like our field, our field sessions are in the afternoon, so that's probably the warmest time of the day, which which helps. Um, and um, we haven't had many we haven't had many rainy days that I can recall. Um, with the night games, I think there was two this year that were cold yeah. Cowboys was one that was the coldest obviously you know. that didn't affect you scoring yeah. a few tries <laughs> no, I was still cold putting yeah, a 100 minute breakaway it's funny yep. to play 80 minutes play 80 minutes and you still come off you're not sweating it's just something so um, no, I honestly haven't found it too bad to be honest um, I, I'm sure I said last time on this podcast that um, obviously I lived in France for two years and the climate's very very similar there um, it's still sunny um, if you're outside of the, um, if there's no wind factor, then I can handle cold. It's fine. Well, footy players don't feel the cold. Fair yeah, enough. It's, it's, it's freezing. It's probably wear short you, shorts. Still walking around in shorts and thongs. <laughs> we had Nikki and uh, Emre walking around in masseurs, and Tommy was like, "What are you guys doing?" Just touching on that win last week. Of course, congratulations. He's a guy. You guys have gone two in a row. It's been said everywhere, and we'll, we'll strike the elephant in the room. The fact that you have knocked off one and two in a fortnight. Personally, when you walk away and put your bag down and line of the sky whatever you do after a game you just think wow we're good enough to be there we're just knocked off one and two geez gee whiz we could have really been a top four team this year yeah definitely we've you know we've we've, we've always thought that now uh, we believe that and um we've just had we've just spoken about it too much you know what i mean and it's it's finally shown um we always know what we're capable of we've just we've been our biggest enemy all year you know you can't we can't blame other teams yeah should you know they all come to win, of course, as well. But uh, for us, it's just, yeah, I think it's just our own doing. Is it easier when you're not playing for the two points? Um, subconsciously, it would be. Yeah, definitely. Shackles are off. Yeah, I think, you know, with South, they came out to a good lead. And obviously, we weather that storm. And, you know, we can always chase points. We're known for that. But um, it's once we get the lead, it's maintaining that lead. Um, and I think South, obviously, they had something more to play for. They probably tried chancing their arm a bit, which led to errors and gave us more possession. And then we, you know, came away with it. Um, that's probably something that we've sort of fallen victim to in the past. Um, you know, just trying to do too much. You know, when sometimes just digging in and playing it simple and just getting to the end of that set and then going again, you know, going set for set. I think that's sort of one thing we've struggled with in the past. And obviously, Aldi, just touching up, I know you were talking about this outside before, but next year uh, the Raiders taking a home game to Wagga. Um, how do you feel about that? What's sort of like 
what does it mean for you? I mean, obviously you're from Sydney, but to just to be able to get out and, I guess, take an NRL game to people who might be a bit less fortunate and be, being able to see NRL games as often, what does that mean to you guys as players? Yeah, it's massive. Um, obviously, we want to develop our game, and if the, you know if we can get games into remote areas such as Wagga, um, you know that, that, that'd be awesome for the game. Um, I've been there once, and you know I can't even remember what it was like. But um, you know, I don't spend enough time in country towns, so it's a good opportunity for me, being a Sydney boy, to get out and see those areas. You know, and you know they're very passionate people. Um, you know, and hopefully there's a, a few Raiders family out there to come support us. Well, Michael Oldfield, thanks once again for joining us on the podcast, mate. It's been a good year for yourself. Tommy said you're quite a popular guy with the fans, but I know you're a popular guy within the boys as well. And I think everyone had a smile on their face when you got to start this year. And I keep up with the good work, whether it's centre, whether it's wing. Cheers, thank you. Coming in off the... Uh, he's been 18th man every week during the podcast for 2018. He gets a start for the second time off the bench, Mr. John Kreuter. G'day, mate. Hey mate, good good to be here. Nice to finally get the call up. Yeah, we'll get you win because uh, there's a big game on Sunday. Of course, it's it's Canberra Raiders Cup Rugby League Grand Final day. There's a smorgasbord, a feast of football there at Seaford Oval on Sunday, but the big one at three thirty. Uh, the big game, the big dance, the Wyden Valley Rams versus the Tarmanong Bush Rangers, mate. Of course, uh, some ex Raiders players on show. The great uh, Lincoln Withers running out there for the Rams. Young young blokes like Michael Brophy, and of course Mick Picker running out for the Bush Rangers. Yeah, exactly. Definitely got that Canberra Raiders connection last year. We saw Terry Campisi lift that trophy uh, in front of the Seafit crowd. And this week, there'll definitely be a former Raider lifting the trophy. just depends who it is. So Michael Brophy and Mick Picker, as you said, for Tuggerong and uh, Link with us, who's been outstanding this year for uh, Wyden, just steering the team around the park. Doesn't look like he's aged a day. Now, you mentioned Terry Campisi, of course. The Blues are the reigning champs. They didn't make the eight. They kind of bowed out pretty early. They had a year full of injuries, unfortunately. But on uh, this Sunday, Johnny, who do we look out for and uh, who's going to win the game? Well, Tuggerong, they're going for their first ever title. They've never won a title in their in their history. Woden, uh, since it's been called the Cambridge Cup, they haven't uh, made a grand final. So both, it's a bit new for both teams. I'm looking at Tuggerong. I think that they just were really impressive against Westport Collin last weekend. Really good for the first half an hour against Woden as well. Josh Mitchell, he's the hooker and the skipper for Tuggerong. He calls the shots. I, I think he's probably been the best player in the comp this year. Just missed out on the Les McIntyre medal, but he's been outstanding. So I'm going to go a close one, but I think the Bushies might just get up. Can you tell us what's happening that day? I think there's gates open pretty early in the morning because we've got games all day. It's a game out there. Yeah, exactly. It's great value for money. It's $10 a ticket for adults. Uh, under 16s get in for free as well. Five matches, 9.20 is the wow. first game. Five uh, matches? Yep, five matches. So it's very, definitely good value. We've got the league tag starting off then. And um, pretty interesting. West Bell Conan Warriors looking to go two years undefeated in that competition. Never lost a competitive game. Um, we've got under 18s and then we've got the women's tackle. In its second year, we're going to have a new premier there after the Blues lost in the preliminary final. So that's Yas against Goulburn. The reserve grade, same matchup as last year with West Bell Conan and the Queanbeyan Blues as well. So great, a great day. Five matches of footy and only $10 entry. Some you can drive the car in and just hang out and have a great afternoon before we really pack up uh, for rugby league this year. 
Yeah, exactly. It's always a good atmosphere, especially with all the different clubs being at the ground. It's a very unique experience. Don't drive the car in. Ask somebody first if you're allowed to do that. Don't just <laughs> drive your car in. But it's a great look, isn't it? It's very traditional. I love walking to the Seaford Oval because you just feel the ghosts of the old Raiders of the 80s and all those games, the Craig Bellamy's of the world, the Matty Guido's of the world, the David Grant's of the world, and just to see that oval still in the fashion that it is and still competitive rugby league being played, it's going to be an exciting afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And you can bring your cars, but you've got to get in early. There's limited spots. So if you want to park the car in, definitely get in early. You heard the man. Get in there early. Well, gents, of course, no Benny Pollock. Of course, uh, he's away there in Wagga, but it is the conclusion of the season for us and the conclusion of the podcast. It's been a great year. I'll quickly go around the room here and we'll ask uh, the highlight of the season. First up with you, John. Of course, you're still obviously involved with the CRL. You're the coordinator for the CRL, but also you, you wear that Raiders jacket with pride, mate. And uh, what's your highlight been for season 2018, mate? My highlight would be just seeing... Josh Hodgson run on the field down at uh, Campbelltown. It was just uh, shattering news at the start of well, the, the end of last year when we found out he did his ACL and just to see all the work he did in, in his comeback and then for him to come back onto the field and just have that immediate impact was just amazing and that was definitely the biggest high. The team played extremely well that day but Hodjo performed like he hadn't even been out of the side so that's the highlight for me. Tommy Logan, mate, your most memorable moment for season 2018 within the Raiders ranks. Yeah, uh, for me it was the the debut of Emre Gula. Uh, emotion was incredibly high that day. Obviously it's been well documented since then uh, just around the whole Ricky Because your video you took went viral of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, uh, just on that as well, I, I'm still getting notifications quite regularly uh, on people liking the video on my LinkedIn page so uh, that's is that, been... Is that front and centre there at your LinkedIn profile? <laughs> yeah, well, mate, anything anything to just spread a positive word about the green, the, the green machine, about our brand, so that's all that I care about. Congratulations, Tommy Logan, for being there on the spot, mate, capturing that. And we joke about this, but you can spend so much time fussing over the perfect HD shot with your perfect Sony camera, the lenses, the lighting, the audio, but what goes viral is this the one up your smartphone. Oh, mate, if I had, mate, mate, if I had. I couldn't tell, mate. It must be that excellent Huawei phone. Oh, that's it. Yeah, thanks to Huawei. Big poke to the sponsors. Those Huawei phones are fantastic. I tell you what, um, for myself personally, I think last week, of course, it was definitely a high that we rose from the Roosters game, but to back that up against a team that are, even though on the back of two losses, are deemed as premiership favourites, a team with Greg Inglis, a team with the, the uh, with Cook, who's potentially going to be the Dalian Player of the Year, the Purgis boys, the fact that we showed character and sent our fans home on Member Appreciation Day. A big pat on the back, of course, to Jason Matthew Marketing, of course, Taylor Shields. The fact that it was Member Appreciation Day, having a couple of the really strong members, a couple of the guys who blow the horn there, Simon, who bat, who beats the drum every week, who goes all over the world to follow the Raiders for him, some other fans as well that were on the sideline too. And the fact that, I think at full-time, the game finished at about 4.30 and I was hanging around, wrapping up for the radio and doing bits and pieces. I was there till about 6.30 and the boys were still upstairs and that line was chockers but the fact the boys were still out there with a smile on their face giving their time to the fans it's just it's one of those days where it was just great to be a Canberra Raider and it was just a great reflection if last week against the Roosters wasn't a reflection of what this club can do the game against South matched that as well yeah, I just wish the season wasn't ending for us now. Uh, I'm on such a high, but I've got to pay credit to a lot of staff here that work at the club. Uh, for me, I'm quite 
lucky and blessed to be able to travel around to lots of different NRL grounds uh, and obviously follow the Raiders. Um, but I've, I've seen a lot of clubs and how they operate, and I've got to say the Green Machine are definitely leading the way in terms of what they do for their members and supporters uh, before and during the, and after the games. It's great to see. It's been unbelievable. It's been a great season in wrapping up for this podcast for 2018. Of course, big thank you, of course, to Don Ferner, the CEO. Big thank you to the marketing teams. Big thank you to the coaching staff, to Ricky Stewart for allowing other boys to come in and chat. Of course, big thank you to all the players. Big thank you to Ben Pollock from the media, Tommy Logan, of course, John, and also, but most importantly, a big thank you to you. Our listener, the guys and the girls that have tuned in on a weekly basis, we've, we've had so much fun giving you this podcast and giving you so much passion because we're just like you. We love the Canberra Raiders. We love them with all our heart. We, we bleed green. And the year wasn't to be in regards to making the eight. We've showed what we can do. We've got plenty to work on during the off-season. And 2019 is going to be bigger and better. And we'll see you in 2019. Goodbye for now. See you next year. Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. Steve Jackson reached out and scored! I didn't think there was any way he was going to make that, but he did! Grant going for the line, Grant scores! Oh, Ricky Stewart, that's rugby league magic! Sipowski will get away from Peter and score the try! Ninety-four Clive Churchill medalist for the grand final there. The goal-kicking back row for the mighty Canberra Raiders between 1992 and the year 2000. I speak of David Ferner. G'day, Dave. Hello, Nick. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm great. Let's just uh, rock and roll straight into it. Uh, young Queanbeyan fella. You, you were the kind of guy that you were union on Saturdays, league on Sundays. Your old man was the inaugural coach of the Canberra Raiders uh, in 82 what were some of the, the early memories of yourself uh, being around a family and seeing the Raiders in that early 80s section? Yeah, look, I was young, like, you know, 11, 12, 12 years of age, but, but it was pretty exciting because every Tuesdays and Thursdays nights, I, I was over there with Dad whilst he was training the, the, the team. I'd be over there and hanging around. So what it did for me uh, when I was younger was it actually sort of uh, planted a seed there of a dream of... You know, wanted to play for the Raiders, and um, and I've, I enjoyed every part of it. I think I went from ball boy. Uh, I went uh, actually done some um, statistical work there uh, with tackle counts. I think it was for the big league. Uh, wow! I think I got twenty. I got, I got twenty bucks for it for a game. So that was big money back then. So <laughs> wow. it was all right. But, but I um, I just loved it. I think they. Um, I think uh, you know, like uh, Les McIntyre and and uh, Dad. Um, Certainly, put uh, you know around the local community. Put put a, uh, a dream for young kids here to to, to, to uh, strive for. And when when the Sydney teams were coming down and playing at Seaford Oval, you know, being on the sideline and, and the crowd was uh, it was pretty exciting. Eddie's boys, so rugby union would have been on your plate a fair bit. Being uh, going to that school, 
When when did you make the decision? Obviously, having rate the Raiders as a big part of your blood as well. When did you make the decision to go? Okay, I'm going rugby league opposed to union. Uh, I played. Um, look, I played both. I went when I went to St Edmunds College. Um, uh, when I went to St Edmunds College, there they, they obviously uh, it was uh, compulsory to play a, a winter sport, and mm. I certainly wasn't going to play Aussie rules, so I, uh, I tried my hand at, uh, at rugby union. Uh, I actually enjoyed it, and I was playing both at the same time, and uh, just got a little bit too, I suppose, too much for the parents there of playing, mm. um, of playing, um, you know, like you know Saturdays and Sundays training. Um, it, it, it sort of took a, a fair, a fair, I suppose, toll on the the mum's taxi, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, I ended up sort of uh, making a decision there, um, making the decision to, uh, to 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 stay with Union. And uh, so I, for 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 a time there, I actually gave up uh, rugby league and uh, focused on rugby union, which um, I really enjoyed. Uh, Serpent College had a very uh, a very strong, uh, you know, strong rugby uh, culture and. Um, and really enjoyed it, and, and you're, you're with your schoolmates as well too. So mm. that was enjoyable. And then, um, you know, obviously got an opportunity there to go back to the Raiders in uh, what was back then the uh, President's Cup, the Under 21s. Well, you started to make your mark there, Fernsey, on in the lower grades at the Raiders. Everyone knew your surname. For, I, I can imagine it'd be always hard for anybody going through any kind of company or organisation that has a bit of a reputation from a, a father or a brother with a famous surname within the organisation and there's always an extra spotlight on that particular individual but for yourself you really took that on and really made a name for yourself in the, the performances in the President's Cup and which are later to your first grade debut in 1992 I remember it as a young kid against Parramatta uh, I think the night before the club played a touring Lions team which fielded the likes of Craig Bellamy and Steve Stone in the Blue Jumpers. And then the next day, I think you scored a couple of tries in your first grade uh, debut there, Fernsey? Uh, I, do, I, do, I do remember it, actually. Um, it, look, it was exciting. Um, uh, it was exciting to, 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 to be back at the Raiders. It was, it was interesting enough that when, when I left school, I, I played a couple of years here for the Queanbeyan Whites. and. Mm. Uh, from what you remember there, there was Seaford Oval, and then there was uh, what they call the uh, David Campuzzi Oval. Yeah, or Taylor Campuzzi Park. Oval was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was Campuzzi Oval, and, and it was Taylor Park before that. But it was quite funny. At the time, I was playing fullback, and um, sometimes you have a little bit of time to uh, uh, to stand around, so to speak, right, mm. whilst the forwards and rugby union are, are jumping into it. But... Um, I could hear the crowd over there, and, and I knew one day that I'd, I'd, I'd want to give it a really good opportunity, or a, 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 uh, have an opportunity there to, um, to to play for the Raiders. So, um, look, I really enjoyed um, the, the under 21s. I uh, got an opportunity there to play reserve grade, and then, uh, as you said before, the you know, 92 uh, debut for the Raiders, which for me was a, uh, as I mentioned before, there that that dream that was uh, that was uh, planted way back in uh, 1982. Uh, along the sidelines there with, uh, you know, being a ball boy, it was, um, it was fantastic. And, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, again, and I, I still, you know, again, still say I play with some of the best, uh, best players in the game in, uh, in that era. A tough road for the club. They just got back from that 1991 salary cap drain and there was a lot of players that moved on and it was almost a rebuild, a bit of a minor rebuild and yourself 
and and a good friend of yours, Brett Hetherington, and uh, he always jokes about saying that it was either you or him in or out of reserve grade and first grade in '92. It was more him uh, for yourself. And then you he, look, he, he couldn't goal kick. No, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> you you were you are actually a rarity as well. You know, a goal kicking back rower. And was that tough? Was that a tough gig having to run tackle in the middle there and then kick the goals as well? No, I I actually enjoyed it and. You know, I go back to, as I mentioned before, there when I used to uh, go over there uh, with my father um, to, to, to uh, see if it over there. Um, there was, uh, and still in um, uh, Gerobombe there, was uh, Ron Giddo, who was mm. uh, you know, a, a very good goal kicker. Obviously, um, uh, um, you know, Justin and Matt Giddo's father, mm. and um, he actually taught me how to kick around the corner. Wow! So uh, that was at a you know at a, a young age. So when I was in uh, in the junior ranks of rugby union, I kicked a lot, a lot of goals. So that was something there that I actually enjoyed, um, you know, and uh, something that um, and, and being uh, mind you, I think at the uh, the start there, I think uh, Tim Sheen's come over and watched me play um fullback for the Queenian Whites and uh I was actually bought for a backup uh uh number six, a five eight, wow. you know, and um I think I worked out pretty quickly in ninety two there that um, I was playing a bit of the centres. Um believe it or not, I actually had a game or half a game there at uh, at fullback in first grade. Um wow. I wasn't quick enough. I wasn't quick enough and um you know, I just got an opportunity there to, to, to go into the forwards and uh, into back rows. So I actually enjoyed the goal kicking. 1994, wow, what a year that was for the for the Canberra Raiders, for the club. And without embarrassing you, Fernsey, the Raiders, they were featured quite heavily on Friday Night Football and, and obviously on the television they were a team full of internationals. But in a team full of internationals, the man of the match at the end of the game from Blocker Roach... Will always end up in your hands. I say it all the time. I was very, you know, very blessed to play with some. You know, when you think about that era, we had, um, you know, the Canberra team had some of the best players in in, uh, in the world. So, um, you know, with, with Mal and, and um, you know Steve Walters and Bradley Clyde, Laurie Daly, and um, you know obviously Ricky Stewart. We and then we had a young group that was coming through there as mm. well, which was. Um, you know, Quinton Pongius, Johnny Lomax. We had a young group there coming through that were, uh, were, were quite talented, Brett Mullins. So I always sort of just always enjoyed going out there and playing. And um, I was always, it was always, um, I always remember my father sort of mentioning, you know, he used to say this, he used to say, when you go out in the field, think about someone in, in the crowd, in the crowd that's watching you play. How do you want them to walk away from the stadium? How do you want them to walk away from the stadium and uh, and and think you know, how how well did David Ferner play? It, wow. you know, it was a really good way of putting it. And so every time I went out there, I just wanted to make sure that when the you know the the, um, uh, the, the crowd sort of walked away from the stadium, they knew that I went out there and and, and had a go. It was um, it, it kept with me for for uh, all my career. So. Um, it was just little things like that that helped me. But um, as I said before, I was very, very lucky to play with some of the uh, the, you know, the, the best players. Well, that uh, star-studded bunch of people you spoke about. Does the David Ferner, the young David Ferner, standing there at Camp Easy Park, hearing the, the Raiders in the background, hoping to one day 
wear the lime green jersey, but then walking off the field, getting the man of the match certificate amongst that talent, that, that would have been a, oh, wow, here I am. I'm at the big stage and I'm performing as well. I want to take you back to 89 when I went and watched, you know, still in my mind, one of the best grand finals and how it, how it finished. That I was there as a young 18, 19 year old watching it. And I was still playing rugby union at the time and I can remember when, when it was finished, I, um, I always, I always, you know, again, another, another, um, seed that was planted. I just wanted to be there. I wanted to be in that stage there, uh, you know, uh, you know, soon, but I just, you know, it ended up sort of, you know, 94 getting that opportunity and I certainly wasn't going to um, let it go. And if you can remember the, uh, the, I can remember after the North Sydney game, which, we, which, um, after we won, we obviously progressed to the grand final. One of the things that was very lucky for me was we had some, as I said before, some great players, but experienced players have been in the grand final. Mm. And if you could, if you could be in the, the uh, dressing room after that game, it was, it was actually a little bit somber. It was like, you know, look, we haven't, we haven't, you know, like, well, yes, we're in the grand final, but no one was cheering. Um, you know, Tim, the uh, tremendous coach, um, he, you know, again, put a lid on, you know, we, we didn't have the best performance against North Sydney. So we were, mm. we were, you know, waiting for another opportunity against, uh, against the Bulldogs. And, um, you know, I know uh, his last game, you know, like we had experienced players that have been in that sort of environment. So that helped the, uh, as I said, the likes of uh, Brett Miles, Kenny Nagus, even Noah Nadruku, um, uh, Johnny didn't play because he was suspended, but that helped us in that. So we were just prime ready for that grand final. And, um, you know, at the end of it, mate, look, it was, uh, it was an honour to, um, uh, amongst those players, be named sort of man of the match, and that's something that's you know it's that's stuck with me for a long time, and it's one of those memories that that, that uh, never go away. Well, so be it. I mean, it was a great day for the club, great day for yourself. And you mentioned Mal moving on, and you mentioned those experienced players, Boxhead, Lozer, and Ricky, and and Clyde. There's always that that talk saying that you're all kind of bound behind Mal's back to make sure you, you get this one for him as well to send him out a winner. Yeah, there was no doubt. I mean, Mel, he expressed that. He just said, look, all he wanted was the, the players to go out and do their job, you know, and if we do that, you know, we'll, we'll get the result that uh, we all want. So, you know, it was very well led by um, by the captain. And, and as I said before, like, you've got guys like Bradley Clyde and um, and uh, Ricky and, uh, and, and Boxhead that, that have been in that sort of... Um, uh, in that environment before, and it certainly helped the um, you know probably calm the nerves down in some of the younger kids. I know for myself, like it, but it was a funny thing in the grand final. I, um, I was a player there in particular in the early days. It was very um, very nervous, and when um, I can I still remember the feeling there before the grand final. It was just like calm to a point there. I thought, gee, am I ready for this game? But it was just. It was calm. I mean, that calmness, you took that out on the field, and obviously they were probably a little bit nervous. The dogs, I mean, Marty Bella drops, you know, knocks on off the kickoff, and then a couple of minutes later, Paul Ozzy Osbourne puts you away for that first try. And then he's up, yep. uh, you know, he's up by a try, and you just never looked like losing till the 80th minute. He was just on top. He saturated a, a team that was, you know, the best team all year. Strangled the dogs that day. It was a game, if it went on for 90, 100 minutes, uh, we would still play the same way. We yeah. had that much energy that day. Uh, got away to a, a very good start from uh, obviously that uh, that fumble, um, and 
you know, although there was a, a little bit of a, a moment there where they scored, we were never in doubt. And yeah. it just had that, that feeling of confidence, even when we ran out, that we just, I don't know, to, you know, we were going to win it. And, um, and I, as I said before, it was, it was the likes of those, you know, again, you know, um, the, the experienced players we had around us. And also, too, um, you know, Tim is a very good, um, not only a man manager, but he's a very good motivator of men. Mm. And, um, you know, he just knew it. He was calm. Coaches calm, the experienced players are calm. Um, we changed a little. Um, I remember Tim. We changed a little bit the way we were playing um, uh, in that semi-final against the Bulldogs, and I think that sort of rattled them a little bit too. So um, a bit of a master stroke there from from Shreendy, but uh, you had, you know, like you said, a, a group of players are very calm and uh, we're ready for that game. And then you're on the plane for a Kangaroo tour. That would have been. Did you look up in the sky then and say, "Wow, I'm just a kid from Queanbeyan getting his uh, getting his lolly money at Eddie's, and now I'm on a plane to the Kangaroo Tour." <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Look, it uh, it was a yeah. It was a bit surreal because also too we had um, um, we got married that year. Um, we had our first uh, Kelly and I we had our first uh, first child, Maddie. Um, Grand final kangaroo uh, uh, kangaroo tour, so it was a pretty it was a pretty um, pretty packed year actually, and uh, I don't know if I've uh, if I've equaled that, but uh, certainly the um, as a player, uh, the kangaroo experience was very good for me, um, and uh, you know I couldn't. I couldn't believe you know the likes of the players, the Eddinghouses and uh, the Langers, the Walters. Uh, Lazarus was there. Uh, you know, we had you know the group that was amongst that Harrigan, um, the, the, the group that was amongst that '94 Kangaroo Tour was mm. just unbelievable. To a point there, you, when you first turned up the first week or second week, you know, like overseas, we're just sort of looking around. I was just thinking, like, this is, you know, this is a dream. What was it like? I mean, you obviously went on that tour before you played State of Origin. So what was it like? Obviously, you were massive rivals against the Broncos in those early 90s. And, you know, with a lack of a better word, you know, you were probably built to hate the Broncos, you know, because they were a, t- a big rival and there were always big games between you two. And there were teams that you, you rivaled against, blokes at Manly, like the Ian Robertses, the Paul Harrigans at Newcastle. And all of a sudden, you're, you're having breakfast with them and uh, you're mates. So what was that experience like? Well, it's a good question. I think it was, look, for me, it was, you know, as I said, the first you know, couple of weeks there, you're sort of a bit quiet because... Um, and I can understand, like, further on, you know, we talked about origin there, that, that I got to know these mates that um, they become mates. You know, uh, Freddie Fittler, who was my roomie for two and a half months, we're still wow. good mates. Um, but, you know, like, you, you were suited up there each week. So before any sort of representative um, honours for myself, you were suited up each week because you had to go out there and, and get stuck into them. So mm. uh, to, uh, you know, be amongst them and then sort of, uh, we, you know, obviously bonded pretty quick and made a lot of good friends. Friends that are, you know, like I mean, players, although you don't see them every day or, you know, every year. Um, I've been to functions there this year, there, uh, Rob Wichard, those sort of guys there that um, built a very strong bond there through uh, playing overseas uh, with the Kangaroos and then um, that sort of carried on to the rest of the life. So it was a great experience. Um, I, you know, Freddie was uh, younger than me, and uh, I, uh, I hope I'd say I was, I was a bit of a mentor to him. <laughs> <laughs> 98 rolls around, as you mentioned, the NRL 
starts up and it's one team, one competition once again. And by this time, uh, the Raiders still a team that were just the hunted and and slowly, slowly we're losing players. We're losing players, especially out of that '94 click. And yourself, by now, you were, you were probably part of the leadership group now as you're a well-established first grader and, and representative international. I fast forward to to towards the end of the year. And, uh, I mean, that 98, we lose Bradley Clyde and Ricky Stewart. To this day, people are still spun out seeing them in a Bulldogs jumper or not a green jumper, but that's the way rugby league was, especially in the form of 98 with the salary cap stuff. 99, we started losing players. And then year 2000, I mean, your last year at the club, and you talk about losing an identity yourself, Laurie and Mullows, in one year. Was it was it hard finishing up, and was it an easy decision or a hard decision? Because it was obviously a club that you were just, as we talk about the young kid uh, playing there at Campesi Field, to what you achieved. I mean, you achieved, you ticked all the boxes. You played for Australia, Clive Churchill medalist, premiership, origin. Um, you got to kind of experience that Super League stuff, the Kangaroo Tours. How was the decision for you to go to England for New 2000, Fernsey? Yeah, look, it was a hard one, and, and I do take you back to '98, and 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 and, and I reckon you know, losing uh, Clyde and, and Rick there was was uh, was not the right thing for the club. You know, for, for the younger generation coming through, and you know, the, the players are underneath. Um, and you know, fast forward to 2000, you know, Laurie unfortunately with his knee there retired. Um, and Mullows went overseas, uh, and uh, well, that was uh, 2001, and, and so, did, so did myself there. But it was a hard decision. Uh, but I look at it, um, it was the, uh, it's a funny thing. Like, you know, like, for 10 years they're running out of that tunnel, um, you know, like it, it was just, you know, it was like, a, you know, going back to a kid, you know, I st- mm. still felt that. Uh, you know the, the privilege of playing there and, and, and going out of the tunnel. I was just excited to play there every every week or every second week. But um, it wasn't. You know, it was probably only a, a probably a little five percent there. That um, uh, you know, at the time of two thousand, uh, you know, I had the way up options. I think the club at the time there offered me one year to stay. Um, I needed to have a look at you know, seriously, I was getting offers to go overseas and those sort of things. Um, mm. And maybe I needed, you know, like, look, at the end of the day, it ended up being a good decision. It was a very hard one, um, a very emotional one for, for myself and the family, um, uh, my kids, and uh, to, to, to leave the Raiders. But one thing that I, I never wanted to play for another uh, another club mm. uh, in the NRL, so I made that decision. That was my first one, and, you know, like, I... I had that little taste in '94 uh, and '97 uh, overseas. There it was something there that I wanted to um, experience as a player mm. to to go over and play in the in the Super League in uh, in, in the UK. Uh, hard one for the family and um, you know, moving him moving him over uh, over the UK. Um, I was flat out moving out, uh, moving out from Queensland, let alone overseas. Obviously, in that last game that you played at home there against the Roosters, which were grand finals of that year, it was just one of those wonderful days at Bruce Stadium where the rugby league gods were shining upon the, the green machine and you just put on a good score against the Roosters. We did, and um, uh, we did put on a good score. It's just, you know, again, um, uh, for Laurie and uh, and Mal, uh, sorry, uh, for, for Mullows and, and myself, there it was, uh, and their families too. It was a special mm. time. Um, 
it was a um, probably a, a time to, to, to thank the uh, the supporters and you know we we did have a very good score that day and, and coming off it was very emotional for uh, for, for the three play you know three players um, it was emotional for me you know, I had the family there and um, I know what the um, my two eldest two eldest kids um, uh, ran out with me to uh, to celebrate that 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 day was very emotional. Um, you know, uh, and the supporters, it was a tremendous way to sort of, um, you know, thank the supporters there to, uh, supporting, you know, the Raiders and, uh, and, and the, uh, the three players leaving their, their careers. Um, uh, you sort of reflect too there that, um, you know, my family, um, you know, there's a lot of talk, uh, obviously with, uh, with Father Don, but, um, uh, my mother Marion, who was, um, a tremendous supporter from a young age there. And, uh, I don't think mums get enough credit there for uh, to a lot of superstar uh, or, or rugby league players of getting around in the early days there and uh, you know taking them to different games and all that sort of stuff. So I know it was an emotional day for my mother Marion and um, and for me as well uh, with the family there. So um, a lot of thanks, you know, and you don't get an opportunity there to thank um, your parents and uh, you know obviously my father Don and. And in particular, my mother, uh, Marion, who's um, been a, a tremendous supporter at a young age. They're the best, aren't they? And what happened here at the club a few weeks ago uh, was actually from a South Junior, young Emre Gula, with his mum handing him his first grade football jersey for the first time. Usually, you know, it's quite uh, cliche when a kid makes his debut, it's either a former player or a bloke that played in that position. But the great to see the mother hand his son a jersey because they're the nuts and bolts of it. They're the, the people driving the kids around at a young age, buying the boots. And and uh, sometimes, too, for the mums, it can be tough when their son's playing, you know, a contact sport like that to, to go through and to see the hit and to see the blood. But, um, you know, it's great to tribute your mum like that. Yeah, it is. Look, it, um, it, uh, yeah, but you're, you're, you're spot on because um, you know a lot of the times there the the, uh, the mums are the ones that uh, you know, drive into the uh, to the games. Um, and, uh, I can still remember uh, obviously Queen uh, and Canberra there uh, in a winter's uh, morning at nine mm. o'clock. It's pretty tough to get out of the bed. Mm. Not for the not for the, uh, the young kid because he's excited to play the game. But um, yeah, look, I um, and still. Uh, tremendous supporter of, uh, of mine is is uh, Mum Marion, and um, it's always good to reflect. It was a, it was a great gesture there with uh, the Raiders there, um, you know, and, and getting a mum there to, to present a jersey. That's that's fantastic uh, because they sometimes probably don't get the credit they deserve. Absolutely, Dave Fern, let's do the, the Forever Green set of six. First question: We know you're still in the game. Uh, what do you do now for work, Dave? I'm uh, assistant coach there with the uh, South Sydney uh, Rabbitohs. Question two, Fernsey. This could be an easy one for you. Favourite memory of the club? It's going to be uh, yeah, it's going to be the grand final '94 because um, uh, when you have a group of men um, that that uh, you know start way back you know in November and you work your way to a grand final and, and win a grand final was uh, was was very special and always will be. Favourite teammate at the club and why? Um, probably my closest mate there is, is Jason Croker. Uh, mm. we've, we've got a lot, uh, you know, we, 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 we're really close. Um, it's interesting as player, you know, people ask me that, who's, who's the complete player? Um, and we had some, you know, Bradley Clyde was a 
future forward and unbelievable. I always, uh, you know, Ricky has in, uh, the way he can uh, orchestrate a, a team around the park. Now, Senna, you know, there's a lot box head, uh, you know, nine. But for me, the complete player I always say, and people ask me, is, uh, is Laurie. Uh, he was mm. a complete player for me. Yeah, he was just so strong in defence as well, a kicking game and just did run the ball. Definitely. He was amazing. Can you remember a funniest moment? Yeah, probably the one that made the paper. I think it's you know it wasn't it was um it was when um, uh, my wife and I were expecting our first child and um, she was overdue mm. and uh, Tim come up to me on the Tuesday um, as I said it was a week overdue and he said um, you know how's Kelly um, you know um, not you know obviously haven't had the baby yet and I said. I was a bit nervous, <laughs> nervous father. I said, no. I said, oh, if, if, um, if she, if they, if she doesn't have it by Thursday, they're going to seduce her mm. on Friday. And, um, he looked at me and he said, I think it's a bit late for that instead of seduce, <laughs> mate. So, uh, it made the papers there and there was plenty of funnier other times, but, uh, just, it, it sticks to my memory there, that one, just a, a nervous young father. <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> The young Raiders player coming through the ranks, obviously uh, with the old man that coached and what you achieved at the club. What will the David Ferner back then say to a current day Canberra Raider? What advice would you give to a current player? Uh, I mentioned about you know coming off the field there and, and making sure that the people that pay to watch you play that they walk away thinking that you've played your best game. But the other is um, is this you know like. Uh, you always got to be that player that the peers around you want to play with. Mm. Be that player. That's probably the, the 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 best advice I can give. And the last question, question number six, David Ferner, what did it mean to you, mate, to wear the Raiders jersey? It was a, um, a young young uh, young kid's ambition to, uh, to 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 put on the green jersey. Um, it's still the only club that I've played for in uh, in Australia, and um, and and something that I've um, uh, growing up in Queanbeyan, um, and where the Raiders first played their game in Super Oval, it was uh, a dream come true, and uh, it will always, um, as a player, be my favourite club. Dave Ferner, thank you very much for joining us on the Behind the Long Line podcast. Thanks, Nick.